from the Heritage Foundation, I'm Tim Desher, and this is Heritage Explains Live. Prices are going up nearly everywhere. Not cool, dude. As we continue to track the Biden economy, we wanted to talk turkey. No, literally, talk turkey. Did you know that the price of turkey is up 70%? Again, not cool. On this episode of Heritage Explains Live, we talk with Joel Griffith. He and I take your questions live on inflation, and we break it down into bite-sized turkey bits. Not to mention we have a little fun along the way. Now, you can listen to the discussion here on your podcast, or if you want, you can head over to the Heritage Foundation YouTube or Facebook page and see us do it on video. We're going to go ahead and link to them in the show notes. Why don't you let us know what you think of these episodes by emailing us at managingeditor@heritage.org, or you could just leave us a comment wherever you listen. We love to hear them. Okay, let's roll the interview. So we see the prices are rising all over the place, supply chain, wages, workforce. Y'all, this is happening. This is happening and it's real. My name is Tim Desher. I'm the co-host of the Heritage Explains podcast. Joel, shameless plug. You can subscribe to the Heritage uh, Explains podcast wherever you listen. However, I am joined by Joel Griffith. And he is a fellow here at the Heritage Foundation. He covers all the economic issues. But more than that, I don't know what I would call you. You're like a, like a best friend. You're like a, an adopted older brother. You're kind of like a mentor to me at the same time. And I always use you when I'm talking about economics for, for talking points. So, Joel, it's, it's just great to have you on today. Thanks, thanks Tim. And thanks for reminding, uh, reminding me that I'm a few years older. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Appreciate you, that. You're definitely older than me. You don't look it, but you act it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're an, a millennial. What are you? Are you? Are, you're Gen X, aren't you? This is an ongoing point of debate between my younger siblings and me. Yes. I right. claim to be a millennial because right. I'm on the cusp, almost okay. down to the day. Right. But according to my younger siblings, I'm decidedly outside of their generation. Right. Well, as as an adopted little brother, I'm gonna I'm gonna call you a, a, a Gen Xer. You are you are not a millennial. No, I'm a senior millennial. So. Anyway, awesome. Well, hey, we're, we're here. We're taking uh, your questions, folks. So please feel free. If you want to ask Joel a question, you want to ask me a question, have at it. We can take it. We're ready. Joel, you're ready? Ready. You're ready. Okay, great. Awesome. Uh, and, and let us know where you're uh, watching from. Let us know who you are. You can just give us your first name. That's fine. And uh, we believe in shout outs on this show, right, Phil? We believe, yeah, we believe in shout outs here. So please let us know where you're watching. So, Joel. Set us off on the right foot here. We are, uh, we're seeing all these prices rising. Everything is happening. And we can't, we want to be careful not to make them all one issue. So I just wanted you to set the stage from, as an economist, uh, as a great lawyer, I wanted you to just set the stage and give us what we're looking at when we see all this stuff covered in the news. Yeah, thanks, Tim. As, as Tim says, as you say, we have a myriad of problems. We have a lot of people still out of work. At the same time, we've never had businesses need so many people to work. We have more people, uh, we have more openings than we do people that are unemployed. And that's uh, very unusual. In fact, we've never had a situation quite like this before. We've got a a situation in which prices are rising at a faster clip than most of us can recall in in our lifetimes. Uh, Most of us, in fact, I don't recall ever 
so often going to the grocery store and having difficulty finding some of the products that I need. It's crazy. Or waiting for yeah. weeks or months for something to arrive on Amazon Prime. Prime, that's uh, highly unusual. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, housing is more expensive. Everything's more expensive. So we have a lot of wow. problems. And there's, you're right, there's no one cause, but we can um, diagnose a lot of those causes. And I think uh, it's a good chance to dive into some of that. Yeah, oh, and we're going to get into that today. And, and again, folks, please, uh, we're taking your questions live. Uh, as quick as you get them in, we'll try our best to, to answer them. But I wanted to ask as some, as, um, you know, Thanksgiving is coming up, and I, I was just reading. Uh, some some news the other day, and I saw the price of turkey is just skyrocketing. And I was thinking about it, and it just just a coincidence that you know Thanksgiving is coming. So I wanted to bring that up here. What you know, we see this you know the ships off the coast of California, supply mm -hmm. chain, all that stuff like that. But turkeys aren't sitting on <laughs> those ships. You know, we get those here. We get turkeys from our farms here. What gives on the price of turkey going up so and, high? And it's not in our imagination. If you're just now going to the grocery store looking for the bird for Thanksgiving Day, yeah. it's almost doubled. It's up 70% over the past two years. It's up around 30% relative to last Thanksgiving. And lest you think we're just cherry-picking turkey, because that's what most of us are going to eat on Thanksgiving yeah. Day, right. yeah. it's a lot of other food items that have risen across mm -hmm. the board at a faster clip than in many years. And in fact, a lot of the items that you might want to use to make the pie... If yeah. you're doing it from scratch, you might find that you can't even find some of those items on the shelf of your local grocery store. So, yes, Thanksgiving <laughs> dinners more expensive to make. Yeah. And in some instances, it's more difficult to bake it because you can't find the items. And then, of course, getting to your parents' home, getting to your, your siblings' homes, that's a lot pricier this year as well. So Thanksgiving holiday... Yep, it's going to take a bigger chunk out of your budget. So why? So why is that? Why? Yeah. Why is it? What is the difference between turkeys and stuff waiting <laughs> in con uh, containers on, on ships? Yeah, you bring up a great point. Uh, we've had a lot of the blame. Thank you, by the way. Thank uh, you. Great yeah, point. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of the blame for these issues of um, shelves not being stocked. Yeah. Um, it's, it's put on the supply chain, and that and that's very true. But the supply chain is not just importing your toys from China or importing your new uh, your new wardrobe from Vietnam or importing your new vehicle from from Mexico. The supply chain also happens here at home. And what you brought up underscores a very important point. A lot of these problems that we see with being more costly to ship, being more difficult to actually have things shipped to us, yeah. that's not just an international problem. A lot of this has actually been imposed on us by our own politicians, federal level, more importantly, though, state and local level. So let's go back to turkeys, yeah. right? Turkeys are a lot more expensive. Well, why is that? Well, part, part of the problem is we saw a myriad of a lot of irrational COVID restrictions put in place for the last year and a half that sometimes shut down processing plants. Sometimes it made it more difficult to operate because you had these distancing requirements that turns out weren't so necessary. That's a little yeah. bit of a secret. <laughs> so we were, we were constricting the actual production wow. of, of turkeys and other things, poultry as well, all these processing plants. You have to have people there. Mm -hmm. So we were making it very difficult for these plants to operate. You had a lot of people that stepped aside. Hmm. You had a lot of people that realized is better not to deal with the hassle, just go on unemployment. Hmm. And some of those facilities are just now finally getting back up to full operation. But we, we saw that on the shipping side as well. It's not right. just the cargo ships, the truck drivers. Truckers, yeah. Going from yep. state to state, some of these states made it so difficult to be a trucker. Mm -hmm. Made it difficult to get a shower, get a bite to eat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of truckers gave up, retired early, and then guess what? The new guys 
they, they made it impossible to get a CCL license. And that's just, we're just scratching the that's surface scratching right now surface, on yeah. why yeah. things are difficult to get and more expensive. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, uh, turn your camera here. Appreciate that. Uh, we got Lynette watching in Texas. Hey, Lynette. Yeehaw. Wait, did they say yeehaw in Texas? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they wear cowboy boots, that's for sure. Lynette, good to see you. Sherry's watching on Facebook and St. Pete. Nice beaches there. Have you been to St. Pete? I have been there. Yeah, it's great. Nice, nice, nice. BJ's watching in mm. Kansas. Get that tax rate down, right? We say that. Yeah, yeah we want to make sure they're down. Yeah. Governor Brownback tried years ago. We tried, absolutely. Okay. Yep. Uh, and then Betty on Facebook says, no reason for anyone being unemployed now. Everyone is staying home because of stimulus money they got. Betty, great point. <laughs> I mean, that is that is spot on. We don't even need to follow up on that. No. 10 million job openings right now. There's 10. More than 10 million. 10 million, yep, yeah. 10 million job openings, yep. Well, anyway, um, I also wanted to, 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 to get into this. The other thing is gas prices. Uh, we know they're high. We hear um, we hear a whole lot of reasons on why that is. Uh, President Biden calls on OPEC. Um, you know, let's get these you know, supply coming more and more and more and more. Uh, but my question is to you is with, with the gas prices skyrocketing, I think it's like 42%. Year over year, close to 40%. 40%. How do we get that back down? I mean, it went up so quickly. How do we get it back down? Yeah, now, uh, some, to be fair, not all this is President Biden's fault. We, okay. we had uh, a reopening, thankfully, in this country, ended up happening a little more quickly, thanks to states like Florida and Texas that showed the world and showed the country Yes, you can actually reopen and allow people freedom without a health disaster. Mm. Uh, Florida, incidentally, has some of the lowest uh, COVID cases right now, new COVID cases Imagine in the country. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> the country as a whole in the United States is the world's largest economy. We ended up opening more quickly than some of the doom and gloom types we're predicting. Yeah. Uh, so you had this big surge in demand for gasoline at a time when a lot of these refineries and production facilities had actually scaled back. Because remember, a year and a half ago, we had the contracts and oil went negative. Huh. Because it's yeah. the demanded plunge, and you had to pay people to actually just take it to store. Right. So we saw the reopening go underway. We saw the demand surge, and that's part of it because we had the the reopening following the close down, the shutdowns that really were um, were, were darn wrong. Yeah. But now you know, fast forward to the reopening process. Well, what happened in January? We have a new president, yeah. and the first thing the president Biden did was cancel the Keystone XL pipeline that would have provided an abundant fuel source coming from Canada with natural gas to the United States. Now, that doesn't instantly right, constrict was, demand. Right. It's not as if, wow, we, we no longer have it, because we actually didn't have the pipeline operating to start with. But yeah. what that did is it sent an important signal, it was a signal. to producers wow. that this is a new sheriff in town, and they're going to be doing everything possible to stop the development of those fuels. And, in fact, the Department of the Interior followed up on that and tried to ban basically all new drilling on federal land. And this sent an important signal that fossil fuel production, despite the fact that it made us energy independent, despite the fact that average families are benefiting from cheap natural gas and $1.50 a gallon gasoline, yeah. despite all that, the Biden administration said, well, we're going to side with the radical environmentalists and we're going to send a signal going forward that it's probably not so wise to be investing in new energy development. And, and that's part of the problem. And it's not just gas in your tank. I mean, we're coming up on winter here. I mean, these yeah. are, you know, price of natural gas. All these things are going to be affected by it. And, and we have this little saying that, that we like to say as we go around talking about this, which is real cost, real loss. Yes. And this is for real people that it affects, me and you included in that. Well, and you hear President Biden and every politician always out there trying to appeal to the common person saying, we want you to have strong jobs and want you to have manufacturing jobs. Yeah. Well, one of the most important things you need for manufacturing is 
cheap industrial fuel, which natural gas was providing. We were having an, a manufacturing renaissance here. Yeah. Well, when you double and triple the cost of that input, that makes us far less competitive but yet at the same time, they act as if they want to help the common person yeah. while making it impossible, next to impossible for that person to actually enjoy one of these well-paying jobs. Yeah, man. Well, folks, we are taking your question. Wait, what is, wait, <laughs> somebody wrote in, who is Brandon and why are they cheering for him? <laughs> We're not going to get into that one. I'm sure you can figure that one out. Uh, but we have a question here <laughs> uh, on Facebook. How can we stop the inflation? I mean, this is a yeah. tough question. I mean, this is a big question. Well, it's a great question. And Thank first, you for it, by the way. First, we have to recognize what is actually causing uh, inflation. And there's there's a lot of, uh, I mean, inflation overall, let's start with what it is. Yeah. Right. Inflation overall is a general increase in the price of goods and services. A general let, let me increase. just interrupt you for a second. Phil's going to link to an episode that Joel and I did on the podcast, Heritage Explains, where we got into the basics of inflation. We saw this coming. And we wanted to make sure we had a base point for for giving you the context for inflation. So uh, you can uh, log on. I think they're going to put that in the chat there. But anyway, continue with yeah. that. General rise in Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So in any given month or year, even in your community, you'll see an item or two items. You'll see it fluctuate. You'll see some that really rise. You'll see others that fall. And that's that can happen because of demand. It can happen because, let's say, you have a drought that hits. Yep. Maybe in corn production, corn prices go up. Let's say you have... A, a microchip shortage like we've seen. That's right. Okay, you need microchips for the vehicles. Suddenly, vehicle prices will go up. Um, you see that during a hurricane. A hurricane might knock out um, um, oil, uh, gas deliveries. And so those prices will increase to equalize supply and demand. Yeah. That's not really inflation. Inflation is the over to general increase. And that's what we're seeing now. Or pretty much every item, whether it's real estate, vehicles, clothing, food, everything is increasing. Hmm. So we have to get to the bottom of that. Well, why is that happening? Right. And there's, once again, similar to the economic problems in general, it's not just any one reason, but there's a few. Okay. One is for the first time in our nation's history, you've had the government has suppressed supply. We talked about the, the processing center right. um, restrictions uh, over the last year and a half. You had many businesses that couldn't operate. A lot of a lot of restrictions related to COVID made it difficult to actually produce. Yeah. But you also had, for the first time in our nation's history, you had the government suppressing the supply of labor. Right. Right. By paying yes. people not to work. As, as yeah, Betty pointed out, yeah, seventy percent of yeah. people or so yeah. were earning more off the job than on the job. So you suppress the supply of labor, which makes it more difficult to ship produce and makes it more expensive to hire. Sure. And when you jack up the cost to hire, those costs get passed along. I mean, when you see McDonald's uh, hiring at $22 an hour, I mean, you know, a Big Mac's going to cost more. You got to pay for that somehow. And we're noticing that double yeah. digit increases. Sure. Uh, yeah. Same thing with the supply chain, all these restrictions on shipping and on truckers and on cargo ships and on international transit. That makes shipping much more expensive. And when you look at Turkey again, mm. it's not just the cost of the bird and feeding the bird. 90% right. or so of the costs are related to the labor, yeah. the distribution. So all that interlinks. So we had a lot of problems with government suppressing supply. Right. But now there's another component. The other component is the demand component. Okay. We had government stoking demand. Think back, most of you watching, uh, most Americans receive stimulus checks right. Right, in, in their checking accounts. Mm -hmm. uh, well, you receive that money, people saved it initially, and then now they're spending now it. They're spending so it. look at, if you look at a chart of retail sales, yep. retail sales are higher now, 15% higher than they were prior to the pandemic. Jeez. It's not because there are more people are working because right. we have fewer people working. A lot of that is due to all this government spending, which brings us to a very, very important point. Lastly, on this, where is all that 
where's the government getting all that money? Oh, and <laughs> here's the other component of inflation is the government, they're not tax, they're not taxing to get that money. Right. They're borrowing, but who are they borrowing from? And there's where it gets tricky. Yeah. They're borrowing from our central bank. Our central bank prints money digitally, buys the bonds from the government, the government has that money in hand and then spends it throughout the economy. So we see our economy awash in money. Yep. And when you have more money chasing the same quantity of goods and services, the price level increases. And it's not just the goods and services. Look at the stock market. Why is the stock market 30% higher now than before the pandemic? It's not because the economy is 30% better. You have a lot of new money chasing the assets. Same thing goes with your homes, sure. home yeah. prices as well. All and, this and, ties together. And as you know, as great Milton Friedman said, you know, we don't create inflation. Yeah. Government creates Mil inflation. Milton Friedman exactly said yeah. inflation everywhere and always is a monetary phenomenon. That's, and that's that right. is part of why prices have gone up. So not the entire reason, but part of it. Um, David watching on Facebook. Thanks, David, for watching. Appreciate your question here. Inflation is a hidden tax from the Biden administration. They do not want to solve the shortage issues. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, think about an average family that gets a few thousand dollars of stimulus, and let's say they make 80000 a year. That's wonderful. Yeah. Your cost of living, I mean, to them, it's what, if cost of living goes up 10%, you've taken an $8,000 pay cut, and you've gotten $3,000 from the government in your mailbox. It's incredible. You're at a net loss. Yeah, yeah. Another question on Facebook. And this is, this is a huge one because we saw how quickly, and I'm not saying, we're not saying this is all because of Biden. It's definitely a lot. But it says, how long is this going to take to undo the damage that's been done to our economy? And how do we undo it? Yeah. How do we do that, you know? Yeah, we first have to go back to recognizing uh, what we're doing wrong and realizing that a lot of this economic mayhem has been blamed on COVID. It hasn't been, right. but recognizing too that's that- cru That's crucial, yeah. yeah but there, there's a real agenda here. I mean, if you look at what's being proposed now to expand the welfare state, get rid of work requirements, do a Green New Deal, expand government-run healthcare and education in this multi-trillion dollar package that's being, that they're saying it's a response to the COVID crisis, we need to recognize there's an agenda here. Yeah. The left is using the COVID pandemic and using the economic turmoil that their response has created yeah. to propose a solution to the problem that they're responsible for, a solution that really is just a realization yeah. of a wish list of a far radical left-wing agenda. Mm -hmm. That's what they're doing. And it's yeah. gonna make matters work. And I think worse, and we first have to recognize the problems we have, we've created. We've created. And the solution to those problems will actually make it work. And only then can we actually successfully push back against and, it. And going along with that, Misha on YouTube uh, says, this is a draining of savings and 401ks. Again, it goes back to real cost, real loss. This is a huge impact. Thank you for that, Misha. Um, how soon can we see some relief? Yeah, we, we, we can, again, we will see relief, I think, when we take this on. Well, on the uh, on the supply chain issue, yeah. um, I, we're finally seeing after months the the unions, for instance, in Los Angeles begin no. to operate the ports twenty four seven. And <laughs> wait, are, is it actually twenty four seven? We got into this well. with Tori last week, where, where they say it's twenty four seven, but it's really like four days a week, you know, eight hours and, a day. And really, it's still not going to resolve the entire problem. Is the the fact is, I heard an interesting stat from another economist here at Heritage that year over year, yeah. the total cargo shipments are actually about flat. Yeah. So mm -hmm. a lot of this comes down to the war on trucks and everything else in California. But relief could be partially on the way thanks to 
the state of Florida. Yeah. And Georgia, they have ports and they are welcoming these ships to come in. I was going to ask you that. Yeah, it's amazing. Cause yeah, again, DeSantis is out there saying, come to Florida. You got Georgia. All these places are kind of filling that gap, yep. a little, that void a little And bit. in Florida and Georgia, yeah. they haven't declared war on diesel trucks, uh, which is another big important thing that if you don't think about it, if you're not a trucker, and I wouldn't think about it except I'm really, I get paid to think about this. Right. Uh, <laughs> In California, it's very difficult to run. In fact, it's criminal in some cases to operate older diesel trucks. So you get to Arizona, you can just, you can take shipments from the California, Arizona border, but you can't cross the border. Oh my so you add in all these inefficiencies. Well, in Florida and in Georgia, you can actually be a diesel truck driver and not risk going to jail. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Sandra on face. I got to say, Joel, she says you're really easy to listen to. Is that you uh, or me? Maybe and, both of and, us. And really good looking. No, I added the good looking part. I, I <laughs> oh, that's that. you then. She said you're really easy to listen to. So <laughs> compliments to you. Thank you for that, Sandra. Um, we got another question coming in. <laughs> now, this is a big one. Y'all keep pushing us in a direction where we can't take this, keep this on the surface. We're going to go deep on this one because it, this is a huge one. It says, what's happening to the dollar? I heard the value is dropping. Why? Well, the dollar is, is fluctuating. We actually did see a... Uh, pretty severe deterioration of the dollar relative to other currencies. Okay. Earlier in, in the crisis, we saw the value of the dollar decline relative to other currencies by around 15%. Okay. Um, we've seen some bounce back of, of, of that. Um, and so this, this, is, this is quite complicated uh, because we do still have the world's strongest economy, the world's largest economy, and we still, despite all of our problems, we do have respect to the rule of law and private property rights. Even though some of that's been eroded, we're sure. still safe. And yeah. so people look to us as a good place to, to, to hold their wealth. Right. And our dollar is still the most treasured of, of currency. So a lot of international trade is done in our dollar. And that gives us the benefit. We're, we're able to make some fiscal mistakes that still have damages, but because our currency is so valued, it, it means that mon that 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 uh, it holds up the value maybe more than it would be in other countries that are making the same bad decisions. Right. But this is very important to keep our eye on this because if we continue to borrow and print and spend yep. and into insolvency, at some point it is very likely that countries and investors will look to somewhere else in which to actually conduct their trade hmm. and to hold their worth. And if that happens, that could result in our dollar losing a lot of value. And it's not just a matter of our economy. We have to remember the fact that our banking system is relied upon by the world and used, that means that instead of going to war, in order to defend ourselves, we can actually impose sanctions. Hmm. But that's because they have to use our banking system. If our dollar crashes, if our dollar loses that value, yes. we're no longer going to have that as a tool. And that tool saves American lives. Yeah. Well, obviously, uh, we've been talking about how to fix this thing. And uh, certain politicians here in Washington, D.C. are doing things on Capitol Hill right now, mainly people on the left. Uh, they've got ideas called the Build Back Better Plan implying that somehow their ideas are going to build us back better, that they're going to get us out of this to the tune of $3.5 trillion of spending on, on certain pet projects from the left. Um, I, you know, I, I also saw that uh, um, the White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki alluded to the fact that we're having issues because the economy is doing so well. It's so boom, you know, booming, these issues are happening. Correct the narrative on this. Where are they wrong? I mean, $3.5 trillion, it just sounds like Keynesian economics to me. Yeah. Well, in parts of the country, the economy has been doing uh, quite quite better. In parts of the country that stayed open, hmm. uh, going back months now, Utah, Georgia, yeah. um, Florida, Texas, th those states, 
um, have been experiencing an economic boom yeah. that has far surpassed the recovery in other parts of the country. So that's number one. This problem mostly was related to the shutdowns. Yeah. But this Build Back Better plan, uh, this is really about remaking, transforming our economic system. And they've been open about it going forward. We saw what was happening in the primaries. We saw them on the stage. We saw the Green New Deal proposals. There's an agenda to transition our economy uh, from a free market economy and remake it into a coast-to-coast government-sponsored enterprise, a government-controlled economy. And so when they say build back better, they don't mean the economy, they mean America, <laughs> in their opinion, basically. Yeah, that better is build back in a completely different manner, in a yeah, manner yeah. that concentrates control yeah. within politicians and bureaucrats. And if you start diving into that multi-thousand page piece of legislation, you see, yeah, you, you see the dream. Transform the energy se- uh, sector, which we know is going to cost families a lot Huge. more. We're seeing taste of it. You go to California, they're yep. paying seven bucks a gallon, and that's not because gas is naturally more difficult to obtain or produce there. It's because of all the regulations that are in place. Yep. That's what we have to look forward to here. But it goes beyond that. Yep. Nationalizing healthcare, federalizing education, which should be, I would say in the news right now, yeah. even these local school boards yeah. trying to indoctrinate kids. They're talking about federalizing this now by by handing out billions of, <sighs> to states to craft their own preschool programs. So this whole the whole bill is filled with that agenda. But they say it's funny because and and you know, we're as we as we continue to get to the get to the end here, I wanted to cover this because it's important. One of the narratives that I'm seeing is 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 in order to pay for this though, don't worry about it because a necessary billionaire's tax is going to be implemented because that's moral. It's moral because they've got way too much money compared to all of us who aren't billionaires. Correct that narrative <laughs> for me, please. And I know you will. <laughs> I know you can. Uh, well, so at Heritage Foundation, we crunch through all the numbers, all the plans that have been promised yeah. with all this federal spending and, and added it up. And thought, well, if we were to confiscate every single dollar, not just from the billionaires, yeah. every single dollar, starting with dollar one from those that earn $250,000 plus a year, upper middle class. That's who Obama considered rich, right? We're going to count them as wealthy. Okay. A lot of small yep. business owners, we're going to, let's just yep. presume, we're going to take every dollar they earn from dollar one, okay. we're going to take all of it. Yep. It turns out that's not enough to pay for all of the spending, number one. Okay. <laughs> no, number two, uh, going after the business owners and the billionaires and the millionaires, well, these are almost always individuals that have invested their resources not just on their yachts. That's a small part of their wealth. Right. It's mostly invested in business opportunities, business developments. You think about these business owners, these CEOs that are unbelievably wealthy, right. most of them continue to work until they're <laughs> 65, 70, 75. Not all of them, a lot of them though, right. continue to look for ways in which to expand, to increase the value of their holdings. And yeah. in a free system, you only obtain more wealth by actually adding value. And that value is determined by you and me. I'm not a multimillionaire. I'm actually not even yet a millionaire working right. on it. Yet. Yet. Love but that. all of us Good. collectively, yes. we decide by voting. Yeah. By, through our purchases, who's adding value? That's how they obtain the wealth. So when you sock it to them with a, with a bigger uh, wealth tax, or capital gains tax, or an income tax, you take their resources and they can no longer invest that. 
DC makes those decisions. That's less money out there. And on this tax rate, now they're talking about with the unrealized capital gains where they want to tax billionaires based on the increase on paper of their investments. Well, what happens? Let's say you have got somebody that's uh, in one of these startups that goes public, it's worth $20 billion. You're going to tax that guy on his paper wealth. He has to cash out. He or she has to cash out some of that, sell some of that stock to pay. Guess what? Everyone else that has a little bit of money in that IPO, you made to put a little bit of your 401k in that, you're going to be impacted as well because when you sell those shares, the stock price comes down and everybody's impacted. And the only winners are those people in DC that want more power and control. And that's what this is about. Sure. It's not about fairness. It's not about finding ways to pay for it. It's about them viewing these businesses as competitors. And it's the same reason why communist China right. slapped down the founder of Alibaba because he started speaking out against the government. And they said, this guy's worth too much. And they went in there and they put in regulations that eroded his wealth by more than 50% because private enterprise yeah. is a competitive threat to DC bureaucrats. I mean, I'll get in trouble for saying this in some circle in this country, but I believe true fairness is a capitalist society, a free market where there's competition. And uh, these, these policies are not that, Joel. They're not that at all. Yeah, sadly, the system that we have right now, even though we do live in freedom, it has moved far away already from, from it, that yeah. free market system yeah. uh, where you have a lot of crony capitalism. And, and unfortunately, that um, that, that hurts everyday families. Well, crony capitalism is another topic, and I wanted to end. Susan on Facebook, thank you for this. She said, thanks, Heritage, for always being on the right way and keeping us Americans informed. Susan, that means the world to hear you say that. We try our best to do that. Joel, I wanted to thank you for being in here today. This was a great conversation. I think that um, I think that people walked away with a lot of stuff here. So well, thank you, Tim, and thanks to everyone with all these fantastic questions. It was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. It was awesome. Tune in next time. Again, we're following this issue. So if, if more stuff comes up, if if the price of turkeys continue to rise, we're coming back, baby. <laughs> we're going to talk about it. So anyway, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you next time. Okay, wrap it up, folks. We are done like our Thanksgiving turkey. Now, a new episode of the Heritage Explains podcast will be released later this week, so stay tuned for that. And, of course, stay tuned because we're going to be back with plenty more Heritage Explains live videos very soon. We'll see you then. Heritage Explains is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher, with editing by John Pop.